0: Welcome to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Eric Rojas and I'm the Executive Pastor here at Rolling Hills. And in today's message, you'll hear from Pastor Jeff as he teaches from 1 John chapter 2 and focuses on one essential characteristic that all Christians must have, love. We hope that the sermon both challenges and encourages you today. Now, let's hear from Jeff.
1: story some of love and wonder some of loss and fear every choice shapes a memory some disappearing after seconds some lingering for a lifetime for every bright milestone there are dozens of dark valleys where we're molded and refined and grow into who we are every one of us has a story to tell of the journey we've taken of the life we've lived. Oh, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so good to be together today and just want to say a big welcome to all of our campuses as well. Welcome to Nolensville and all the things God's doing in Nolensville, building a new building there. It's exciting what's happening. And welcome to Nashville campus and so excited to see what's happening there and new learning center starting in the fall. We we'll have our Justice Mercy International offices there soon. That's exciting. We just welcome everybody here at Franklin. Man, God is at work and I love our new. Children's space, 4th and 5th grade, middle school, high school, and then welcome to everybody online, wherever you're watching from, in the city, the country, the world. We are a part of something bigger than ourselves. We are a part of a movement of God, and I'm so grateful to be on this journey with each one of us together. God is at work. God is at work. We had an incredible Easter two weeks ago. I'm still on cloud nine from Easter. I love Easter, right? You know, the resurrection is just amazing, amazing. And then we started this brand new series last week called A Beautiful Life, and in this series, we're looking at the Apostle John, who's writing later on in his life, and he's writing to all of us about how to live life and how to make it count and the things that are important, the things that we invest our lives in. And so I'm so excited about today. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me there. It's in 1 John, toward the back of your Bible. So 1st and 2 Peter, 1, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, and Revelation. So kind of toward the back, one of the last five there of the New Testament. If you need a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back at all of our campuses. And also, if you're online, you can go to the Rolling Hills app and follow along. But we are seeing this letter. It was a letter that was written by the Apostle John. And you may remember that John was the guy who had the front row seat to be with Jesus. I mean, so imagine that. John and James had a fishing business. Jesus says, hey, come follow me. John had no idea what was going to happen. But he started following Jesus with his life. And he was front row to see the miracles happen. I mean, that would have been awesome, right? I mean, just all the miracles, you're like, how'd you do that? You know, it's like all these things that he's just watching. He, he was on the front row to get to hear Jesus teach. All these things, right? You know, the Sermon on the Mount, and he's listening to this. He's like, wow, I've never heard anything like this. This is awesome. Seeing the kingdom of God at work in this world. John, you know, there was the 12 disciples. Then there was the three Right, Peter, James, and John. Jesus really poured into those guys. And then there was John. It's kind of like Jesus' best friend. I mean, it's just like the disciple Jesus loved. That's what he called himself, you know. And John was the only disciple that was there at the cross. All the other disciples scattered, John stayed. He stayed. And then John ran to the tomb. And he looks in and sees the empty tomb after three days that Jesus was resurrected. John was there when Jesus appeared to the disciples and said, listen, I'm alive. And he's like, yes, you know, he's back. He conquered death. He made a way for us to have eternal life. I mean, just the joy. John was there when Jesus ascends into heaven. And then John becomes a leader of the early church. The Holy Spirit comes upon him there in Acts chapter one, Acts chapter two. You see the church starts to spread. John's a leader in the church and people are coming to know Christ. Lives are being changed. There's kids. It's just joyful. And then there was persecution. And John was there for that. All right, and they begin to persecute Christians. Christians taken and, you know, used in the, as gladiators right in the Roman Colosseum, and all these things that were happening there with Christians being persecuted. John was taken to exile on the island of Patmos and then he, he's able to return. And now he's writing this letter like in his old age. I mean, like 85, 90 years old. And he's writing to all the churches and it's a circular letter, passed to church, to church, to church, like reading this. And you can you imagine the wisdom? I mean, the depth is like, I've lived this life. I've seen Jesus, you know? John writes the gospel of John, which is all about Jesus. And then he writes this first, second, third John to the churches and saying, guys, I want you to know how to live a beautiful life. Have you ever thought about this? The people in your life who really love you are the ones who will tell you no. You ever thought about that, right? Because everybody else is going to say, buy it, you know, smoke it, drink it, do whatever you want, right? I mean, but it's the people who really love you, they're going to go and say, ah, you don't need to go more debt. Okay, I mean, like, I know you really want that, but listen, 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 you don't need to do that, right? I mean, it's your parents, your grandparents. It's your best friend. It's your spouse, right? It's your best friend who goes, you know, I know you really like him, but he's not good for you, okay? I'm just telling you, right? I mean, it's like, I can see this outside perspective. He doesn't make you... Better. You need people. I need people in my life who will say, Hey, let me just tell you. No, because everybody else is going to say, Yeah, go for it. Do whatever you want to. Yeah, live it up, you know? But there's these people who just have wisdom and say, Listen, I can look at your life and I want you to have a great life. I want you to succeed. I want to be awesome. That's what John does. John's like, I want to look at you, church. I want to tell you, you are great. You're amazing. God has so many great things for you, but don't go after the world. Go after Christ and hold on to Him. That's the key to a beautiful life. All right, pick up here, 1 John chapter two. We saw chapter one last week, the 10 verses. We're gonna just be in one through 17 today in chapter two. But he says, my dear children, you know, if you're 85 or 90, everybody's a dear child, I guess you don't have to that age, right? My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. It's like, I don't want you to sin. You know, sin is so passe today, right? You're like, ah, who cares, do whatever. No, John's like, no, it impacts your relationship with God, impacts your relationship with others, right? No, 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 I don't want you to sin, but... If anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's like, I don't want you to sin, but I know you're gonna make mistakes. I know you're gonna mess up, but, but when you do, come to Jesus. When you do, confess it, right? He ties back into verse nine of chapter one, right? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. Hey, look at verse two of chapter two. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. That Jesus died for every single person. That Jesus loves every person in the world and so should we. He is our atoning sacrifice. We don't make ourselves better. I can't be good enough. So Jesus took my place. Jesus paid my price. Then verse three, he says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. Pretty strong, right? I mean, I was like, you're a liar. You know, like, okay, thanks. you know. I can't. No, but like, if you say you're a follower of God, but you're not living for God, you're living for things, oh, you, hold on. There's a disconnect there, right? Your walk has to equal your talk. Come on. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we're in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And I think if you underline your Bible, underline that verse right there, you must live as Jesus did. That Jesus gave us his model for how to live. And, and John's like, I watched Jesus. I watched the way he loved people. I watched the way he served. I watched the way he sacrificed. I watched the way he cared deeply. That's what God wants for you. That's the example for you. A lot of times we get caught up in, you know, celebrities. I'm going to, what they're going to do, what's out there. And John's going, no, 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 no. You look at Jesus, You model your life after him. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you've had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. And what's he talking about the old command? He's talking about love. And if you go back to the second book of the Bible, Leviticus, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, this isn't like a new command. This is old. This has been there. God's heartbeat forever is about love. Yet, I am writing you a new command, and its truth is seen in him and in you, because the Darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. He's like, but in Jesus, you see a whole deeper level of love. You know, you put others before yourself. You have that self-sacrificing kind of love, this unconditional kind of love. And then verse nine, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Ooh, that's pretty strong, right? Do you hate anybody? (laughs) Anybody, just the thought of them, you're just like, ah, oh, I hate them. No, I'm not dislike them. There's people that we don't get along with or those things, but, but he's going, if you really hate somebody, you've missed it because you've been forgiven. You've been redeemed. Now you need to forgive. Now you need to encourage. Now you need to offer grace. Anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in the light, and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates, hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around, in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. That's what hate does to us. Right? It brings this resentment into our lives and this bitterness in our lives and this anger into our lives. It's like you're living in darkness because of this hate. No, 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 no. Stop. Confess it to God. Give it to God. Don't live. Let that hate control you. And then he comes verse 12 through 14. We're gonna unpack this more in a minute, but but he says, I'm writing. To you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you've known him who's from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. So he talks about these three stages of spiritual growth. These children, these young men, these fathers. He repeats it, but adds a little more detail. He says, I write to you, dear children, because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you. And you have overcome the evil one. And then verses 15 through 17. We'll stop at 17 today, but, but man, I want you just to see this. If you underline your Bible, or you highlight, or you memorize, just kind of dive right in here. He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Isn't that awesome? Whoever does the will of God lives forever. You have this life, but there is more to come. In fact, the best life is still to come. Eternal life is still to come. Do the will of the Father. Trust him, follow him. In this life, hey, and you've got eternity waiting. Hold on to him. That's the key to living a beautiful life. It's in Christ, Jesus All right, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love you to write down here at Franklin or Nolensville or Nashville. Pull out a worship guide if you wanna take some notes today. If you're online and you wanna pull out the Rolling Hills app, just pull that up and you can fill in some blanks. Some incredible truths for us, truths for us today. Look at this, a beautiful life is growing in the grace and love of God. A beautiful life is growing, it's maturing in the grace and love of God. And John's like, I'm the perfect example. John's going, my old life? Man, I was just living for myself. I was living for money. I was living for success. And now look what I found in Christ. Look at what God's done in me and the change in me. And I think for all of us, if we gotta understand, are we growing? Are we maturing in the grace and love of God? Hey, things that are alive grow. That's great truth, right? But it's true, right? You got a plant. You plant the seed. You know if it's alive, if it starts growing. If it's not growing, it's Dead, right? So you're like, okay, I want that to grow. I want that to mature. I want that to get bigger every year. I want there to be some growth, some signs of life. Same way spiritually. Are we growing? Are we mature? We're not there yet. I mean, we don't have it all figured out yet. No, 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 no. But am I maturing? Am I a little bit further ahead of where I was last year or the year before or the year before? Am I maturing in my walk with the Lord? Things that are alive grow. There are three stages of spiritual growth okay? So you see this in verses 12 through 14 right here. John kind of lays this out, these three stages. First of all, he says they're spiritual children. Now, I love spiritual children. You know, every church needs spiritual children. A healthy church has lots of spiritual children. These are people who've just come to know the Lord. They are so excited about what God's doing in their life. There's this joy, there's depth, this richness. We've had a lot of people baptized lately. It's just been amazing and and people are just, man, they're so excited. You can see the joy in their heart and the life. And they're just on fire for the Lord. Now, spiritual age and physical age don't necessarily correspond, okay? I mean, you could be a 30-year-old spiritual child. You just gave your life to Christ. Somebody invited you to church. You, you, man, you're like diving into the word. You pray, Jesus, forgive my sins, redeem me. And you're on fire. You're a spiritual child. You could be a 60-year-old spiritual child. You could be an 80-year-old spiritual child. I mean, I've, Seeing people accept Christ on their deathbed, right? Like, you know, you can be a spiritual child. The fact is all of us at some point were a spiritual child. All of us can think back to when we committed our lives to follow Christ and, and the joy that was there. And I think that's why Jesus says, keep that childlike faith, right? Keep that childlike joy. So here's what John says about spiritual children. He says, I'm writing you dear children because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. And spiritual children, they don't know a whole lot, but they know this, that I'm forgiven, you know? Like, I'm forgiven. I messed up, I blew it in the past, but Jesus died on a cross for my sins. And hey, what more do you need to know? I mean, like, that: I am forgiven. You talk about joy in life? You talk about not having to live with guilt and live with shame, and you don't have to let those past things define you? No, 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 I can let Christ define me. That's great. Then he comes back and he says, I write to you, dear children, because you've known the father. You know, spiritual children may not know where every book of the Bible is, but man, they know the father. They know the father. I remember when my kids were young and uh, they were little. I love being a dad. It's just, it's just awesome. I just love it. I love it. But I remember when they were young and there'd be a storm at night, right? It's lightning and it's thunder. And then there'd be like a big thunder. And whenever the big thunder would hit in the middle of the night, that's when you would hear the pitter of feet, right? They're coming down the hall, just, you know, they're rutted, 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 and you would get up out of bed, and, and, and I remember they would just come up to me and they would just go, Daddy, hold me. Daddy, hold me, you know? And of course, you, you just like reach down, you scoop them up, you're like, it's okay, it's okay. I mean, they don't understand, you know, lightning at 30, they don't understand we're in the house. In, they just know, I'm just gonna go to my dad. Daddy, hold me. Daddy, hold me. Dad brings protection. Dad's my provision. That's where I put my faith and my trust. And and spiritual children, man, they just run to the Father. God, you got this? God, I don't know how all this is gonna work out. God, I'm having trouble in this relationship. God, I'm having trouble in this work. I'm having trouble. Daddy, hold me. (laughs) Just hold me. And God's always like, I got you. I'm working things for good. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Trust me. Wow, I I love spiritual children. I love spiritual children. But I'm gonna tell you, spiritual children grow, hopefully, right? And you become a spiritual young man. A spiritual young man or a spiritual young woman. And here's the thing about spiritual young men or spiritual young women. They are just like, put me in coach. You know, at church, they're just like, I'll do whatever. I'll set up chairs, right? I, you see a need, I'm gonna jump in. There's a widow that needs help. There's an orphan. I'll go on mission trips. I'll serve. I'll do whatever it takes. I love spiritual young men. You know, they're just the energy. They're the backbone of the church. They're the ones that's like, whatever it is. They're the generous ones. They're like, hey, God's giving me all this. I'll be... You know, glad to share. What can I do? How can I help? And here's what John says about them. I'm writing to you young men, young women, because you have overcome the evil one. You're thinking, well, what does that mean? Did that mean they don't sin anymore? No, 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 no. It just means they don't do the same sins, right? That means like they're growing out of that pattern. You know, they may mess up every now and then, but it's like, hey, I'm not doing the same things I used to. Like, you know, man, when I was in high school or college, I, I did this, I regret it. I still, I'm not still doing that. I'm moving on. Now, there's some other things that may trip me up. There's some other things, but I'm pushing past the evil one. I'm pursuing the Lord. Here's what John also says. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. You're steadfast. You're like, listen, I made a commitment to Christ. I'm gonna follow him. No turning back, right? You know, I'm at church as a priority. I'm gonna be with him. You're strong and the word of God lives in you. You know, they're starting to go, okay, I read this. This makes sense. This is good. Okay, I get this. I'm going to underline. I'm going to write that down. The Word of God lives in you, and you've overcome the evil one. And you're pushing past that sin, and you're maturing in your life. Then he says, spiritual fathers. Spiritual fathers and mothers, right? See, a healthy church has all three. Spiritual children, spiritual young men, spiritual fathers and mothers. Now, what's errand about being a, a father or a mother? You have children, right? So you have physical children, but you have spiritual children. There's somebody that you've led to Christ. I love seeing baptism and you've got parents baptizing their kids. You've got small group leaders baptizing their kids. You know, you've got community group leaders baptizing their people in their church or in their group. You've got all these people who are saying, hey, I am now a spiritual father or mother. (laughs) That's a calling. God's placed on my life. That's a responsibility that I have, and John says, I write to you fathers because you've known him who is from the beginning. He says, I'm gonna write to you because you know God, and I want you just to find your identity in him. I want you to know him, I want you to grow deeper in him. It's all about him, it's not about what you do, it's about what God's doing through you, about what God's doing through you. He comes back and repeats it, only time he repeats, but he says, I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. He's like, this is the call, right? You're a spiritual child, you know, for several years, for years, for years, but then you become a spiritual young man or you're a spiritual young woman and you're there for years and years, but then you become a spiritual father, a spiritual mother, and you start pouring into maybe your own kids and discipling them, but others, you're teaching, right? In middle school or high school, you're teaching kids or you're serving as a community group leader. somehow you're pouring in to the next generation. See, growth indicates life. Growth indicates life. And when you look at your life, you go, "You know what? I, I'm not there yet. I don't have it all understood yet. I don't have it all figured out, but man, I am growing. I'm loving the Lord. See, if you're not growing spiritually, then you're drifting. You're drifting. You know, one of the saddest people in the Bible to me is this guy, Solomon. He's in the Old Testament. He has this incredible dad, David. David loved the Lord, he was known as a man after God's heart. wasn't perfect made some big mistakes, but, but Solomon, Solomon grows up, I mean, he's going, he's worshiping, he has, you know, hey, I'm gonna build this temple, the Lord, he does that, I mean, things are like booming for Solomon and God is blessing him, blessing him, blessing him like crazy, he becomes the king over all of Israel and he has all this and then, then he becomes about the worldly things, <laughs> right? I mean, God's given him all this The next thing you know, he starts running after more money and more success, he becomes the wealthiest guy that ever lived, He has a lot of women. I'm talking like 700 wives, 300 concubines, that's a lot. Okay, that's like crazy. And he starts drifting. You know, a lot of arranged marriage, you know, but he just starts drifting away, away from God. And you get toward the end of his life, he's not even showing up for church. He's not even showing up to the temple they built. He's not even showing up there. He's, He's just like so drifted in all these things, his career and everything else. And at the end of his life, the kingdom is actually split in two because he's not faithful to God. And you're like, you missed it. You can't take any of that money with you. You can't take any of that with you. You're only here 70, 80, 90 years. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't drift. Don't drift. Don't drift. Hey, growth takes attention. Growth takes attention. You know, like I'm gonna invest in the things of God, I'm gonna really focus on what matters in life. I love this quote from Eugene Peterson a long obedience in the same direction. Isn't that awesome? A long obedience in the same direction. You know, a couple years ago we took our, our kids, we went out to California for vacation for uh, spring break, went to Yosemite, just beautiful, wow, it was all amazing. But we also went and saw the redwoods. Now, have you seen the redwoods? Oh, incredible, all right? I mean, these redwood trees are like ginormous. And you stand there, you feel so small when you're looking at a redwood. You're like, wow, uh, that is big. And you're just amazing. And these things are hundreds of years old. Now, you guys know, right, tree rings, right? If you, if you look at the tree and you, you, you see it, you can cut it open and you see these different rings and you see the growth. Every year, there's a different ring for each year. But the thing about it is, is it's not always proportional. See, there's some rings that you're like thick and then there's other rings that are really skinny and it just indicates that growth. But I think the same is true in our lives. Spiritually, there's sometimes, man, you just like take off and grow, Right? You have a great Easter, you have a great Sunday, the word of God, you're just like, that was for me. I I, I didn't matter if anybody else was here, God was speaking to me. Or you do a mission trip, or you do a camp, and and there's these times you have these big growth, but then there's other times where it's just that slow and steady. It's just that slow and steady, you're like at church, you're in the word, you're you're praying with your friends, and you don't even realize it, but you're growing, you're maturing, you're becoming. And that's why I love this, a long obedience in the same direction. You know what else is cool about those redwoods? You're thinking, how are they so tall, right? And, and they don't fall over in every single storm. I mean, how do, they, how do they stand? Well, here's the thing, their roots are all intertwined. Isn't that cool? They're all intertwined. So you got these giant redwoods out there, and so the roots, and it's one another, these trees that are holding each other up in the middle of the storms. That's church, that's community. That's how you stay strong in the middle of all that's happening, man, brothers and sisters in Christ. Here's another key. Here's another key to spiritual growth, and it's feeding. It's feeding. Here's what John's buddy Peter writes in 1 Peter. He writes this. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. So Peter comes along and says, guys, get rid of sin. Get rid of sin in your life, right? And if you notice All of these are like community-destroying sins. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. Remember he talked about don't hate your brother or sister? That's the byproduct right there. But he says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. I love that. Once you get a little taste of God, you're just like, I want more, I want more, I want more. Right? And he says, grow up. Grow up in your salvation. So spiritual children must be fed. Spiritual children must be fed. It's true. It's just like physical children, right? If you're a parent here, we have lots of babies here at Royal Hills, which I love. We've got a family dedication time coming up in May, and it's just amazing, and, and just to see parents. Now, if you're wondering who the parents are of the babies, they're the ones who are trying to stay awake right now because they were up in the middle of the night, right? Feeding a bottle or being with their child. It great job for, for being here. But that baby crying in the middle of the night doesn't just go, you know what, I'm hungry. I'm gonna crawl out of this crib and I'm gonna go you know, fire up the grill and throw out a filet. I'm fine. No. The baby's like, somebody feed me. Somebody feed me. And I love that about spiritual children. They're just like, man, I gotta be fed. I want more of the word. Somebody pour into me. Somebody teach me. I I wanna know more. I wanna grow more. Um, My daughter is a junior and one of her friends was baptized a couple of months ago. and, And she told her, mom, you know, she's like, hey, I know we're going on vacation in a few weeks, but I got to be back on Saturday because I don't want to miss church on Sunday. I don't want to miss it. I mean, I'm learning so much. I'm growing so much. And I love that. But spiritual children must be fed. So if you're a spiritual child, I mean, it doesn't matter what age you are, just be around people and get in the Word. Being on Sunday mornings, getting in a small group, in a community group, being in a men's group or a women's group, you know, being fed. Here's the thing, though. Spiritual young men, they learn to feed themselves, <laughs> Spiritual young men start to go, hey, wait a minute, I got this thing. Thank you, Gutenberg Printing Press, right? I mean, like, I got this, or I could go online, right? I got version. I, I can start to read it myself. I can start to go, wow, this, this makes sense. God's writing to me. You know, and, and for you, if you're a spiritual young man, you start to learn that, and you go, every day I wanna start my day with the Lord. Before I reach over and I, see all my emails or see Instagram or see whatever else. I wanna, I wanna see the Lord. And so I'm gonna read a daily step. I'm gonna go on the Rolling Hills app. I'm gonna take a daily step or I'm gonna go to the Gospel of John, John wrote the Gospel of John. I'm just gonna start reading. And when God stops me, then I'm gonna go, God, what are you trying to teach me? What do, you, what I wanna learn? Now, young men, they still need a home-cooked meal, right? I mean, they're still gonna come back to the house. They still wanna be fed, but, but they're learning. Man, I, I'm starting to feed myself. Now, <laughs> spiritual young Fathers or mothers, they start to feed others. Spiritual fathers or mothers, they're like, all right, I learned this, I wanna share it with you. Look at what God's taught me, now let me teach you. Let me pour into my own kids. Let me pour into my own grandkids. Let me pour in, let me teach in children's ministry or middle school or high school ministry. Let me lead a community group or a men's study. or You know, some of you have been walking with Jesus for like 30 or 40 or 50 years, okay, I mean, like you accepted Christ when you were eight or 10 or 12 and now you're 40 or 50 or 60. You have a lot of wisdom. You have a lot of life. Share it. Don't hoard it, share it. People need to hear from you. And that's what spiritual fathers do. Like I'm gonna pour it my own kids, but then I'm gonna look around and say, hey, maybe there's some people at work. Maybe I can start a Bible study with people at work. Maybe I can, you know, hey, I can go over here and I can say in my neighborhood, I want to invite you guys to come over. We're just gonna study this together. Or hey, I wanna have a community group. I wanna let you know what God is teaching me. And you don't stop. Right? I mean, when you're in your 60s, your 70s, I met a guy today, 84 years old, right? He's just so passionate. He's like, man, I love this church. It's so young. And I just wanna, I just wanna tell people what God's done in my life. I'm like, way to go, 84. You know, I mean, that's awesome. See, there are challenges to growing a beautiful life. You know, the danger is you kind of get, you stuck. You stay a spiritual child for 15, 20, 30 years and you're like, okay, time to kind of start to grow, right? Or you stay a spiritual young man and it's all about you, right? You can become prideful, arrogant. I do all the work. No, no, no. Spiritual fathers, you can go, you know what? I'm gonna retire. I've done my time. Retirement's not in the Bible. Okay, it's just not. There's always this call to be involved in God's work, but there are some challenges. There are some challenges. And this is where he gets to verses 15 through 17. First is the world, the world. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. So what's he talking about the world? Well, if you look here in the Bible, the world is that system, that cosmos, that, that system of, of the God, little G, of this world who's blinded the mind of unbelievers. It, it's the things in this world. It's the stuff. It's the lust. It's the greed. It's all that, that sin that's in, in the world. And it's so easy for us to, to see that Right, we come here, we got about an hour every Sunday, and then we've got three or four hours every day where we're inundated with social media, we're inundated with all this other stuff out there, and we have to go, wait a minute. I could easily drift off after the world, but I've gotta stay true to Christ. I wanna stay true to Christ and what God wants me to do in my life. The second is sin. He says, for everything in the world, and notice this, the lust of the flesh, I don't know if I need to explain that, but right, you know, but but lust means I must have it now. Lust is a must have it now. And the lust of the flesh is like, hey, you know what, pornography? I want that. You, know, you start staring at that. You're looking at that. Your mind starts going that direction. Or an emotional affair. You know what? They're gonna make me more happy than my spouse. I, 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 they can do more. Like, you just start going after that. Instead of waiting for God's best. The lust of the, the, lust of the eyes? What's that materialism? I gotta have it. I gotta have it now. It's consumerism, right? Instead of being a contributor, you become a consumer in the pride of life. <laughs> it's all about me. It's all about me. You know, pride is the mother of all sins and we become arrogant sometimes. And he says, that comes not from the Father, but from the world. And so we're always checking our heart. Man, am I pursuing God or am I pursuing the world? Is my life looking more like Jesus or is my life looking more like the world, and it takes focus. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Don't miss it. Don't miss it, the best of your life is still to come. Grow deeper in Christ, grow stronger in Christ, because your obedience impacts more than just you. It impacts all those around you. Uh, This week, there's a family in our church, and. they took their 11-year-old daughter to the hospital she was having some problems last week and they didn't know what was going on and they were on the phone with the doctors and they said just bring her in we're going to run tests so here she is fifth grader 11 years old and they take her you know to vanderbilt and they're there and, and now they've they've doing all these tests and she hasn't eaten for 24 hours and they're in the hospital room and here's mom and dad they've been at church you know all their life, they've, you know, her daughter, their daughter's grown up here in this church, and, and so here they are there. They, they said, we're gonna do some tests about feeding and, and see how she responds to food and what's happening. And so they started bringing food in. She hadn't eaten in 24 hours. So they have all the doctors, all the nurses, everybody's crowded into their hospital room to watch her eat, and they bring this food in, and this 11-year-old girl looks at the food right before her, and she says, in our family, we always pray before we eat, so she reaches over and grabs the hand of her dad and grabs the hand of her mom and leads this beautiful prayer, the dad says, right there in the middle of the room in front of all the doctors and nurses. And he's like, I'm just listening. And he goes, I got tears right in my eyes and I'm just going, okay, God, I needed to know you were here and you're here. And they did all these tests and, and by God's grace, she's gonna be okay. And they kind of figured out a treatment plan going forward and, and they brought her home and and he said, you know, I, she went up to her room and she was in her room and he goes I, I came up the stairs and, and I kind of peeked in her room and I looked over and I saw her. And she pulled out of her, out of her dresser a box of scriptures that she made at church on, on one Sunday morning. And he goes, I watched her just start going through these scriptures. And she gets to Psalm 28, seven and she's reading aloud. The Lord is my strength and my shield. The Lord is always there for me and I trust him. He is my help. And he said, I just couldn't hold it together, (laughs) you know. I went in and I hugged her and I said, you're gonna be okay. Your heavenly father's got you. Your heavenly father's with you. Your heavenly father loves you. And he goes, that's what I've been pouring into her. I've been wanting her to know. And guys, the truth is this, man. For us to know that God is with us, but for us to pass on to our children, for us to pass on to the next generation, hey, God is with you. God loves you. You know, every one of us, we've walked through challenging times, whether it's COVID or whatever else, but the next generation is going to have their own challenges. They're going to have their own struggles. And are we pouring into them the things of the world? Are we pouring into them the things of God? And saying, I want you to know him. I want you to hold on to him. He'll be with you. He will love you. Hey, look at this quote from Oswald Chambers. A Christian worker has to learn to be God's man or woman of great worth and excellence in the midst of meager and worthless things. There's a lot of meager and worthless things out there. All of God's people are ordinary people who have been made extraordinary by the purpose he has given them. God's given you a purpose. God's given you a call to know him and to make him known, to share the love of Christ with others, to pour into them. Hey, even if you're one step ahead, you can show somebody that step. You can pray, you can encourage, you can disciple. You can make a difference because God has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for your life and your obedience impacts more than you. What next step do you need to take? You never stop growing spiritually. Maybe, Maybe for you it's salvation. It's like, man, I keep coming and I know God's calling me to follow. And today I'm committing my life. Maybe for you it's baptism. I wanna be baptized Maybe for you, it's family dedication. I want to dedicate my child to the Lord or I want to join the church or maybe it's time for me to lead a group, right? It's time for me to get off the sidelines, get in the game. I want to lead. But what next step? Maybe it's starting to, to read the Bible I and mean, you start in the mornings instead of starting with your phone, you start in the Word. And just take a next step. Just take a next step. Just trust, just follow. You know, I remember when my kids were Learning to walk, and if you're a parent or a grandparent, you'll never forget that, right? And, and i always remember watching them. And they're just kind of wobbling, you wobbling, and then they get their balance and they take a step, and you're like, yeah. And you're getting the video, you know, like I'm watching this right on your phone, and you're sending it to everybody. You're like, and I think that's what God does with us. He's just watching us, and we start to step out. He's like, you did it, good job. I got your hands. I hold your hands, but you just follow. You just trust. You just walk because I'm with you, I'm for you, I will never leave you, I'll never forsake you, you are mine. I wanna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today, but I know this, God is with you, and God is for you. Whatever struggle you're facing today, you just reach up and go, Daddy, and he is there. Oh, Father God, meet us in this moment right here, it changes forever. God, grow us to be the disciples you create us to be. God, you have a purpose for every one of our lives. You're not finished with any of us yet. So God, let us pour into you, into your word. Let us accomplish what you have put us on this earth to accomplish, to know you and to make you known. And fill us with that joy, that joy of our salvation. And let it overflow to those around us. Let us love. Let us be generous. God, we're yours. So Father God, whatever next step you're calling us to, give us the boldness and the courage to take it. And just knowing that our obedience impacts more than just us. Let us be men and women after your heart. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen, amen.
0: Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, where you can find great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and ways you can connect. We're thankful for you.